I'm going to talk this morning about what God will do if you trust him. We're carrying on from what we looked at last week and what God wants to do if you let him. And this week, we're just going to look at uh, a sort of an insight into what we're going to do in October. As you know, we said in October that on Sunday evenings uh, from the 9th, we'll be looking at the Bible and mental health. Um, we're not trying to train you to be counselors. We're not going to try and teach you psychology. But what we're trying to do is equip you. Because, you know, in years to come, and maybe even not even in years to come, sooner than we think, mental health problems in this country are, are just colossal. And God's people is going to be dealing with people who are coming in who are hurt, who are wounded, and who need guidance and good godly guidance. I was just sharing this with... Uh, Pastor Jay Fallon last week when we were sitting at lunch and he told me that uh, he was at a conference and there was a doctor there and the doctor said that in the age group five to ten year olds in the United Kingdom, uh, one in five children have a health, mental health issue and that's serious folks, five to ten years of age and this is what this country has done. It's people, they don't know who they are. Uh, they're afraid to say who they are in case they get branded some sort of a fascist or something. So there's a lot of problems out there. But I believe God is equipping us through his word to help everyone there. So we're going to look at Isaiah 57, 18 and 19 this morning. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him that is far off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, I will heal him. And you know, read Isaiah 57 for yourself when you go home. And what's going on here is the people were in turmoil. They had turned their backs on God. They had worshipped idols. They had married strange wives. These strange wives had brought strange gods into their home. And God, Isaiah uh, in prophecy, acknowledged that God had seen this, the iniquities of his people. But he'd also heard their cries, the cries of those who were yearning for him. And he states there that he wants to help those of a contrite and humble spirit, those who trust in him. And you know, when you look at our land today, it's a mess. The iniquity and immorality is being promoted as I've said, people are, are worried, people are stressed. But there are those who are looking to God, those who have a contrite heart and a humble spirit. And although God sees the sins of the nation, he sees the hearts of his people. And he has promised that he will help them. His promise for us and for those who will turn to him, it says that he would heal them. He said that he would lead them. He said that he would comfort them. And listen to this one. He said he would help them change. And we'll look at that in a wee bit more depth. He will help them change. And it says he will offer them peace. And you know, this is such a beautiful promise from a loving God. We spoke uh, at the table about uh, how God is revealed in Christ Jesus. And when we look to God, we see the love of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. And here we see the beauty of Almighty God. 
He wants to, to, to reach out to his people. Those who are calling on him, as say the, the situation they were in, uh, sin was abounding all around them. Everything seemed as if God had totally left them. And yet God knew their hearts and God wanted to help them. And the wonderful thing is that when we look at these promises, they do not just apply to the Old Testament. These weren't promises just for a particular situation which had arisen in the nation at that time because he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And Almighty God who made these promises to Israel back then is making these promises to you and I today. In Isaiah 57, if you go back to verse 15, it says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God's wanting to, to, to bring them this healing, to bring them this peace as they look to him, as they humble themselves and as they look, <coughs> look to him. We know that generally the people had turned from God they turned to idols. They were making sacrifices. Sacrifices not only to foreign gods, but to God. And these sacrifices were not acceptable to the Lord. It looked, as I've said, as if the Lord had left them. And some people might look at society today, and I'm sure you've heard them say, where is God? Look at what's going on, the disasters, the wars, the famines. The, 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 the weather that's, uh, I don't know if you've seen the news this morning, that hit Canada. Apparently it's never been as bad. And the weather that hit Tokyo, it was meant to be the worst storm they've ever had. And they're saying, where is God? But you know, God's people know where God is. He is in the midst of them. And if we turn to him, he wants to help us. He wants to bless us. He understands our fears. He understands our anxieties. He understands our concerns. And he wants to reach out. If we trust in him, then he will not fail us. He will not fail us. God wants to help us. So in everything where we seek the Lord and want his spirit to deliver us and to restore us, there's something that we need to do as human beings. And it's probably the most important thing that we need to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. What we need to do, it sounds simple, but it's not we need to accept that we are not God. We are human. We are human. We need to accept that we have limited, finite abilities. You see, men want to tread their own paths, go their own roads. But they forget Proverbs 14 and 12 and 16 and 25. There is a way <clears throat> which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And you know, man's desires for things that he, he lusts after, they will pull him in the wrong direction away from God. The world and all of its riches seems appealing and desirous. But you know, remember that old Ari saying, far off fields are green. And, and men with this desire to serve their own needs, to solve their own problems, to go their own ways. It's just taking us further and further and further away from God because we won't acknowledge that we are human. And as we'll see in a moment, we won't acknowledge that we need help and we need it from the Lord. You see, there's a battle within us 
for those of us who are serving the Lord. And for those of us who truly are honest enough to say that there is a battle within us. And Paul speaks of this, this personal battle that everyone fights in a chapter that I quote very often, Romans 7. It's a beautiful chapter. And Paul had this continual fight within him against the inner man because he highlights for us that the things that he did not want to do, he did. The things that he wanted to do, these were the things that he didn't. And Paul, because of this, at times, he lost his peace. He hated this carnal man within him, and he could not beat it himself. He struggled with this. I mean, we set Paul in this pedestal where he had no problems, no health issues, uh, no worries. He's, he was human. And when he acknowledged he was human, then God was able to help him. You see, he admitted in that wonderful chapter that he was not God. He admitted that he needed help. He admitted that he alone was powerless to control this tendency towards wrongdoing. He acknowledged, I am human, I am weak. Listen to what he said in verse 24 of Romans 7. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body, this body of death? Who shall deliver me? Who shall deliver me? That was Paul's dilemma. He was serving the Lord. He was fasting, he was praying. He was going through persecution, but God brought him through it. He was birthing churches. Uh, he was preaching. He was seeing people being healed. healed. Uh, and when people seen him, they, they seen this mighty man of God. But when Paul was in the chamber in the secret place on his own, God seen him for who he really was. And God seen the struggles that Paul was having in his life. Because there was things that he didn't want to do, and he did them. Despite the fact that he was saying, I shouldn't do this. I'm not going to do this again. He did it. And there's things that he wanted to do. There's things that maybe, you know, as a Christian man, he felt, I should be doing this, and he didn't do it. And that was a major struggle for him. He acknowledged that he needed help. You know, there are simple things that you and I plan to do, and we don't do them. There's simple things. I mean, who has promised not to eat too much? but went ahead and that too much. I do that every time we go out for a meal. <laughs> right, I'm only going to take a small portion. So I finish my plate and then I finish Jean's plate. We promise before we go in here, I'm not going to eat too much. How many of us have said, I'm going to bed early tonight and I'm not going to play on the computer, I'm not going to read, I'm going to go to sleep. And then about two o'clock in the morning, you put the computer down. Great intentions I need to sleep, need to get to bed, and you've all done this one. From Monday, I'm going to start exercising. And we don't do it, do we? I wish I had it, and I know I wouldn't have been half dead, gone up uh, sleeved on her yesterday. But we can laugh at those little things. But church, there are more serious things that we need to do. There are things where we want to do the right thing, but we end up, we don't do it. Come on, let's be honest here this morning. 
I would guarantee you each and every person sitting in this room has thought there's something right that I need to do and they haven't done it. Or there's something that they know they shouldn't have done or something that they said that they shouldn't have said. And they know and they struggle with it when they've done it. And this brings feelings of guilt, feelings of fear when you realize that what you've done, you've maybe hurt someone. And you've went away and thought about it and felt really guilty. You feel like a failure. But you know something? You're not alone. Because the truth this morning is we all need help from the Lord. Do you know as, we, as I continue this study into October and on the Sunday evenings, I took characters from the Bible into a counseling session with them. And it amazed me how many of God's men and women had what we term today mental health issues, the anxieties, the fears. It's amazing. See, we are human. We are human. And you know, Jesus and his humanity, he felt it. He felt abandoned. My God, my God, why has they forsaken me? And so in his humanity, Jesus, he felt abandonment. And then he knows, therefore, those who feel abandoned, those who feel hurt by others. But we need to realize in these times, we are not alone. And God's not throwing us out the door. Because as I've said, Israel, the iniquity of the sin was unbelievable. Today it's worse in the nation. But God knows the hearts of his people. He knows the hurts and the fears. And we need to realize we're not alone. We all still have that carnal man within us, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And therefore, we all have internal battles. And honestly, church, you're fooling yourself if you refuse to admit this. Some might say, well, I'm humble. I'm so humble and proud of it. But you know, real humility before God is admitting, Lord, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this. Brother and sister and unsaved person, listen to this. Know of a fact that when you become a Christian, it does not automatically kill the carnal man within you. You've got strength. You've a new direction to go, but this, that old man's in there battling away to bring you back. Church, I've battled. I've battled. I tried to battle against my temper. And this is maybe what brought me under conviction, but I couldn't. I couldn't because it was still there. I remember one night we had arrested this guy and he took a swing at me and I lost it. And two or three of them had to pull me off him. And I went away. I was so ashamed. I wasn't a Christian at the time. But I was trying. I hated that part of me. I'd had enough of it, nearly 20 years of it. Amen. Still getting emotional about it. But you know what I did, church? I said, Lord, I can't do this. And you know something I can't. Well, he can control it. Amen. God can control it. How did he do it? Because I admitted I can't do it. 
We need that church. Read for yourself Romans 7. This is the Apostle Paul, great man of God. And he's telling us that he wrestled often with the inner man. So when we're not happy, when we're discontented, we're anxious, then what do we really need to do? Well, yes, turn to the Lord. But ask the Lord to show us the cause of our problem. Lord, what's causing this? For me, it was sin. But what's the consequences of our problem? And what's the cure of our problem? So what's the cause of our problem? So the cause of the problem is that without fully realizing it, as I've said, men are saying they want to be God. And what I'm saying by that is they want to determine what is right and what is wrong in their lives. We've all heard people say, nobody's going to tell me what is right and what is wrong. You hear it every day. Maybe not phrased like that, but you hear it in television every day. And you see these things on the news and you think, it just can't get worse. The school teacher, I think it's in Canada, and he's got himself this huge, excuse the expression here, but this huge set of prosthetic bust. I mean, it's hanging below his waist. And he's teaching children. The parents in that school want them out. And the school won't do a thing about it. Because that's his determination. He wants to live like that. And they can't do a thing about it. Church, that's the world out there. Men doing what they feel is right. Men going the way that they feel is right. Totally against God. I could keep you here for another half an hour, church. Some of the things that I've seen and read. Men today want to determine things by their own rules. I'm going to live as I want to live. Me, me, me. The sad thing is, I said I'm not teaching you psychology, but psychology teaches people that to find self-awareness, they need to be selfish. They need to be selfish. In other words, what suits you? What makes you happy? It's irrelevant, as long as you're not harming anyone else. It's irrelevant if nobody else is happy. What makes you happy? You know, that lie is straight from the depth of hell itself. People want to control their own lives. And sometimes to control their own lives, they have to control the lives of others. They have to control things around them. They have to control everybody else. And everybody else must fit in with their opinions. We've seen this. It was a university lecture I was listening to. I'm taking it, he was American. And he says he's identified 59 different genders. No, he hasn't. He's invented 59 different genders. There's only two, man and woman. But you know, when we say that, we're racist. And the big N-word today, I'm sure you'll hear it, you're a fascist. You're a fascist. That's, you see, as I've said to you before, when, when people in the world want to disagree with you, the best thing they can do is put a negative label on you. That makes you look bad. You're homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, every phobic they can think of. But apparently today, the end words, you're a fascist. But you know, it's been like this from the start, folks. Look at Adam and Eve. They tried to control their own destiny. Think about it. 
in the Garden of Eden and paradise itself, the very presence of God. And yet, when they were told not to do it, they did it. That internal battle that Paul had, that you and I have, that desire to control our own destiny. You see, Satan told them you will be God's. You will control your own destiny. You will control your own word. And we surrender to things by denying our humanity here. Instead of admitting when we do something which we shouldn't have done, instead of admitting that I need help, I need guidance, I need love, I need structure in my life. You know, people need structure in their lives. Parents, children need structure in their lives. And I can tell you that from experience. I've been in the YOC working with young men and young women. And 99.9% of them had no structure. Brought up in a home, they didn't know who the dad was. Three or four different brothers and sisters to three or four different dads. No structure whatsoever. They had no structure. Men need structure. Children need structure in their lives. But here we have Adam and Eve trying to control everything. This is desirous. This looks good. This will taste good. This is something that I would want, despite the fact that God said, don't touch of that. Despite the fact that there was anything they needed. Think of it, Adam didn't have to go hunting. It was all there. What he needed was there for him. They didn't have to build a hut to keep them safe in bad weather. Everything man needed was in that garden. Yet that old carnal man, that battle within, they lost. With a bit of temptation from Satan. And you know, there are people in the world today and they believe the world revolves around them. They really do. They think that everyone should fit in with them. As I've said, you get a negative label if you disagree. But the sad thing is, as these people go on in life, they begin to realize they need something else in their life. There's something missing in their life. And that, for me, is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why I believe in, in, in days to come, years to come, if the Lord tarries, there's going to be major mental health problems in our land. Major, major health problems in our land. I read a report. Uh, this is from an association of psychologists, so it's not a Christian report, it's a secular report. And it talked about young men and women who have tried the homosexual lifestyle, and they're not homosexuals. But peer pressure, wanting to fit in, they tried it. And neither getting counseling, neither getting a psychiatrist talking to them. You see, these things... The world makes look attractive. But you know something? It's against God. It's against God. And God can help. Think of a church. Everything today is about controlling our image. Isn't it? You've only got to be on social media. And you see young men and young women posing. The injected lips. They look like Papa's wife, olive oil. There was a young girl served us last week, and I thought she'd be great for killing flies. 
My goodness, the wee girl's lips were out there somewhere. It's all about image, how we look, copying people. I've never watched it, and I've never had any intention of watching it, but I'm told Kim Kardashian, that's the word, amen. Pray for you, you're watching it. <laughs> but her influence on young women, and excuse the expression, big bums, apparently she's a big bum. I'd, I'd walk past her and I wouldn't know her, I haven't a clue. But there's people getting injections in their back, young girls getting injections in their backside. It's all about image, self image, trying to, to find that peace, trying to find hope, trying to find acceptance in a world. But sadly, the world is full of sin and iniquity. And that's where they're trying to find acceptance. It's all about image. It's all about controlling what people think about you. We all want to be seen as a nice person, a good person, a godly person. We want to control what people think about us. But you know what the truth is there? We don't want people to know who we really are. Who would want the skeletons in their cupboard brought out and shown to everyone? None of us. And to do this, we play games. We wear masks. We hide behind a persona. A persona means the aspect of someone's character that is presented to or perceived by others. Carl Jung, a psychologist, he came up with this thing about wearing the mask. Outside, you're nice smile on your face. But when you're home, when you're on your own, that mask comes off and the real you and the real inner battle takes place. We want everybody to think that we are strong. I've spoke to many people and, and they think they are strong. We want people to think we are strong. We want people to think we have everything sorted out. How often have you heard someone say, I can handle this? But that's really hiding our weakness. We hide our feelings. I'm not afraid. And to do this, we need to control other people so that they see the person that we want them to see. We sometimes use guilt and anger to control others. There's some people have even used the word of God to control others. But we can be torn apart inside. And yet if someone asks us how we are, what do we say? Oh, I'm fine. Oh, no bother. I'm all right. On our own strength, we try to control our problems and our issues. Honestly, church, not as much now, but I've experienced as a counselor must be 25, 30 years. And I wish I had a pound for every client that told me, I'll work it out, I'm all right. I'll sort it out myself. I watched the Home Repair program recently, and it was, well, it was funny watching it. But there was electricians, uh, mechanics, plumbers, uh, builders, and they were talking about the jobs they did. And they asked, I think it was mainly the, the mechanic and the electrician and the plumber, but they say, what is, you know, what, what are the most jobs you would get? These guys are not big, massive firms. They're uh, uh, self-employed guys, just going around homes. And every one of them said, that the most jobs I get is going to fix what somebody tried to fix themselves. Someone has tried to, to wire something in their house and blew the, nearly blew the house up. Someone's tried to, 
uh, one of them talked about a guy put a, tried to put a radiator in, radiator in and flooded his house. And he had to go and fix it. Church, the more we try to fix our own problems without the Lord, the worse we'll get. We need the Lord. The worst thing we can do is to try and control our inner pain. Think about it. How long have we been hiding or running from this thing which is we, we battle with? You see, we can hide our pain, and some people hide their pain in alcohol. Some people hide their pain in drugs, smoking. Some people even hide their pain in overworking, just continually keeping busy. Because that means they don't have to sit on their own and think. But the thing is, some people, because they hide their feelings, they come in and out of relationships and friendships. Some Christians move from church to church. But again, I remember the old saying, far off fields are green. There's anger, depression, anxiety. All these will become easier when we know that we are not God, that I am human. We will win it over adversity when we realize we need to surrender everything to Jesus. It's not a weakness saying, I can't do this, Lord. It's an act of faith. It's a step of faith in the strength of the Lord. And if we refuse to acknowledge that we are weak, then we will suffer. We are afraid, to, as I said, to do this because others will look at us and think we're a fake, think we're a phony, a liar. But you know what the truth is, church? We are not Mr. and Mrs. Perfect. We're not. And we all do it. Members of the congregation do it. Elders do it. Pastors do it. Watch the program. Uh, it was a rec- recording of a service where a guest preacher had come and he was to preach, but God had given him a message for the pastor. And he called the pastor out and he said to the church about what this man was going through. And obviously he got a revelation from God. And the pastor just fell apart on the stage. He'd been hiding it for so long. And it wasn't a sin problem. It was an internal thing in his home. But he had been hiding it. Everybody's seen him up at the front leading the worship, shouting at the top of his voice, trying to encourage people. But he wouldn't admit he had problems. Quite willing to hear other people admit they had problems. You see, we're afraid people see us as a fake. Do you know when Paul prayed about his thorn in the flesh? I think this is beautiful. He was told, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Listen, church, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ. Such a change of mind in Paul was the acknowledgement that he needed God. And the very fact that God would help him, that the power of Christ was in his life, he was rejoicing and he was boasting about. He was boasting about. I'll say I'll go on with this next Sunday morning. So just give you a quick recap. So whatever we're going through, church, you know, we can look about and we can say God's going to judge this nation and he is. There's no doubt. No doubt whatsoever. 
But you know something? He knows the hearts of his people. And he knows they are worried about things. He knows they have pressures in their lives. You know, it's not a sin. I mean, that's one thing that gets me angry. When you hear people say, how can a Christian be depressed? How can a Christian have anxiety? And then they'll come off with some stupid statement like they're not close enough to the Lord. Rubbish, church. We all have our own issues and our own problems. But God wants to be with us. He knows our heart. God knows your heart this morning. Wherever you are, if you've walked with him for 80 years, or you even just haven't committed to him yet, he knows the cries of your heart. And God wants to heal you. God wants to lead you. That means show you past the walk on. And it might be away from the things which are dragging you down. But sometimes you've got to cut all ties. There's an illustration of uh, lobsters. And when they put lobsters in a pot, which I believe is cruel, and I don't eat shellfish anyway, but I think it's a horrendous thing they do. And they boil the pot of water. But it is said that if one lobster tries to escape, the other lobsters pull it back in. Pull it back in. I don't know why they do that. But apparently they do. And I wouldn't look at it. I think it's cruelty beyond cruelty, that. But what's pulling you back in? As you're trying to escape, is there something just gripping you and bringing you back? Do you know what to do? Let God lead you. Let God guide you. Just surrender everything to him. And if you do, you'll feel comfort that you never thought you would feel again. God will help you change. God help me change, folks. God will help you change. And God will offer you peace. And there's a peace in our hearts which is put there by God and by his spirit. He wants to bring us peace. So in the midst of a storm, you can have that peace because you're trusting in him. You're trusting in him. He can calm the waters. He can still the storms. As I mentioned last week, he can even get the animals to obey him. What we need to do, church, is just to trust the Lord. And you know something? Why do you feel it's important for us to trust the Lord? Because when God sends someone our way, they want somebody different. And we, I've said earlier on that Jesus was a, a revelation of God. Do you know you and I are meant to be a revelation of Jesus in the world? And if we can show people that in the midst of our storms, we trust the Lord. And we have comfort and we have peace. You see, if you've got the T-shirt or you've wore the T-shirt, then people will understand that you understand what they're going through. I told you before, Many times as a pastor, I spoke to people with cancer, but it wasn't until I was diagnosed that I really knew what it's like to be sitting there. And I wasn't sitting there, I was walking down the street. But the point is, when you hear that word, it frightens the life out of you. And if you say it didn't frighten you, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. But I have the T-shirt now. I know if somebody is diagnosed, I can say, you know, I felt A, B, C, D. You've been through situations in your life where you can say, I've been there. But I have God's peace. I have God's comfort. God has led me. God has helped me cast off the thing which used to drag me down. It's all about trusting in God and surrendering 
to God. Pastor Jay Fallon, the way he put it was, die to self and let God's spirit rule and reign in you. In other words, put off the old man. He'll still be there, there'll still be a battle, but when we trust God, we'll win these battles and we'll start doing what we want to do. We'll leave it there for this week. We'll pick it up maybe next week.